You're listening to the Women's Hope Podcast of the Masters University with Dr. Shelby Cullen and Kimberly Cummings. Join them as they bring hope and encouragement through 25 years of combined experience in biblical discipleship and counseling as ACBC counselors. Shelby and Kimberly provide biblical and practical wisdom by coming alongside women with the teaching and resources necessary to grow in the grace and the knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, welcome to Women's Hope Podcast. This is our special conclusion to our series that we called Bringing Clarity to Complementarianism. And that has been the tongue twister of this series, but <laughs> I think we've managed to fare pretty well with that. So hello, Shelby. How are good you morning, doing? Kim. I am doing very well. So good to see you. Thank you. You too. Yeah, we're in hopes of fall. We're putting on our fall florals, hoping for the weather to agree <laughs> with us. I was going to put out all my fall stuff this weekend, but I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> I thought about that. I wanted that. to. Yeah, I thought about that too, and then I thought, I'll wait one more week. Me so. too. Same, same, same. Yeah, good. Yeah, because you really decorate up for fall. Yeah, less is more, though. I don't know if I'm going to do that this year, but we'll see, because once I get started, it's kind of hard to stop. Favorite time of year, so. You do something fun with your family regarding pumpkins, Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Oh, yeah. So every year uh, in October, typically, we try to find a family day, and I have all my adult children over with their spouses, and all of the food that we make or bring is all pumpkin-themed, and they each bring their own pumpkin, and they decorate the pumpkin, you know, not necessarily like a jack-o'-lantern feel, but more keeping the pumpkin whole. And we have all of these different things they can use, you know, to like a hot gun or a glue gun, not a hot gun, but a glue gun to uh, glue all the decorations on and just kind of a contest and just fun. And my, I mean, of all my kids, my, one of my sons asked me the other day if I was going to host one again this year because he had so much fun last year. So I thought that was kind of funny. (laughs) That is funny. And you know, usually it's more about the tradition that's special than the actual decorating of the pumpkin or, you know. Yeah, you can make, there's a really good recipe and maybe we can, I can give it to you for our podcast that you can make a pumpkin stew and actually bake it inside the pumpkin. So we tried Mm. that last year and it was really good. So wow. stuff like that, just, to, just to make things fun. You do a really yeah. good job of that. Aww. You do a really good job of celebrating the seasons. So I like that. <laughs> well, I live so, in California. Are there really seasons here, Kim? Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> I have to kind of create them in my home. <laughs> Summer and smoke. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I have to know from, from you, are you a pumpkin spice everything person? With, you know, Mm, no, no, our special guest today, her and I talked about this already, but I do like pumpkin spice coffee, but I don't prefer the sweetened kind. I just like the coffee that has the enhanced flavor. I still like my coffee unsweetened just with cream kind of an idea, Mm -hmm. but I love pumpkin bread. So that kind of stuff. Yeah, I adore that, but... I shouldn't eat it, but I adore it. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you can find pumpkin spice in just about yeah, everything. everything. Yeah. 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 So, not my thing. Not I my try. Jam. I try not to really, I mean, I just look forward to this time of year, I should say, when I can enjoy that, but not like all year long. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, we are beginning a new tradition 
on the podcast where we are going to start inviting younger women to come in and ask us questions on occasion. And our very first special guest is Jenna Friesen. And we didn't have to look far or wide (laughs) to find Jenna because Jenna works at the university. So, and actually you two work together, right? That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I also know Jenna. Uh, I've known Jenna for over a year now, close to two, probably two years. years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jenna is married to one of our Kansas boys. Mm -hmm. So I've known her husband before she knew her husband (laughs) (laughs) when he was just three years old. So, yeah. So Jenna goes to our church. Mm -hmm. We serve together. Uh, They're involved with our young adults. And so this is just a really sweet thing that the three of us can be together and discuss some of the myths that come about regarding complementarianism. Mm -hmm. So, Jenna, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, of course. I'm honored to be here. Good, good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It just feels like... You're at my house in yeah, my living room, just totally. like every other week. Uh-huh. <laughs> Over pumpkin that's coffee. Right. No. That's <laughs> right. That's right. So do you do the pumpkin spice thing? Oh, no. I enjoy, like Shelby said, <laughs> I enjoy pumpkin bread and pumpkin coffee, but nothing overly sweet. Yeah. Just like just, when I was in college, I went to New Zealand and I had pumpkin as a vegetable. I loved that. You just add a little salt and good to go. Right. That's where I'm at. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Well, Americans, we if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's probably where the whole PSL thing came from. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. So none of us are really into that that much. Mm-hmm. So, well, all right. I know that we may offend some of our listeners, but that's not our goal. We're just mm-hmm. having fun with the season. That's right. Jenna, you want to start asking us some questions today? Sure. So, as you said, occasionally we hear myths or misconceptions regarding complementarianism, and we're going to talk about four of those today. We hear on occasion that as complementarians, we are saying that all women are just to submit to all men. Kim, can you speak to this? Sure. And we did address this a bit already Mm -hmm. on our last episode, but I think it's worth repeating because there's something very special in Ephesians 5 that really shows us the importance of order, which was a drum that we did beat on our last episode. And so I think it's worth sharing in the context of your question, Jenna. So Ephesians 5, starting in verse 21, it says, And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And then it goes on and it says, you know, here he's starting to speak about everyone as a broad subject, right? And then Paul does what he does is he defines things and he narrows things down to help us have better clarity on what exactly that looks like. And so he starts out here speaking on the obligation and the foundation of our submission being rooted in our fear of Christ, which we actually see in Ephesians 1. Subjection is mentioned five times in Mm -hmm. the book of Ephesians. Mm -hmm. 
And in chapter 1, verse 22, it says that all things are under his subjection. And then Paul is illuminating our understanding to this subjection even further by going into the specifics. So imagine, if you will, when a rock is tossed into the water, that you have ripple effects, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So you have that closest ripple, and then it goes out further and further. And so that's really what Paul has done in the book of Ephesians, because he starts with our subjection, our submission to our Lord and Savior. And then he starts with the wives, right? One another. Mm -hmm. So he gives that, okay, there's this example of how this is going to look like with others, And then he says, okay, wives, submit to your husbands, be in subjection to your husbands. And then he goes to children, and then he goes to slaves, to their masters. And so you see that ripple effect there that comes from verse 21, Mm -hmm. right? And it's just a really easy picture for me when I think of it that way, because Mm -hmm. it just shows how we're having an impact, right? First in our homes, in our families, to our children, with our children, and then out into the world. Mm. And, of course, then we see that also with the church, right? Right. And so we're having that impact. And so when we are saying, wives, be subject to your own husbands, we're not saying women be subject to all men. You don't see that anywhere in Scripture, What you see is Paul, when he talks about being subject to one another in verse 21, he is setting the stage for 22 on to Mm -hmm. sit through the middle Mm -hmm. of chapter six, right? Mm -hmm. And so we don't, I'm not going to read all of that. We did all of that last week. But what you really see is, okay, this is not telling the women in verse 21 that they're to submit to all men. What it is saying is here, look, this is what it's going to look like in the world practically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it is not saying all women to all men. There's no category for boyfriend or lover <laughs> on the topic other than deferring to others, right? right. Mm-hmm. Which is a great practice in a relationship. And we do that in all of our relationships, our work relationships, our home relationships, when we're at a grocery store, you know, those things come into play all the time. But in fact, to be submissive to your future husband, you need to stand back and evaluate very carefully, is this the one that I will be spending the rest of my life with and not run into that headlong? Right. Yeah. Because we need to be guarding our hearts as well, Mm. especially as an unmarried person. And we need to ask ourselves, do I need to just be evaluating this situation carefully first before I make that full lifetime covenantal commitment Mm. that involves that submission? Good wisdom. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and and I've heard women applying this in extreme manners. Mm -hmm. I've seen it where women can't even be outside of the home because then that says they would have to submit to a male boss. 
So they mm-hmm. go the other way, right? Mm-hmm. Where some are saying, I'm to submit to all men. But then you have other women who are saying, well, if I even work outside the home, I'm putting myself under another man. Mm-hmm. And then I'm having to submit to another man opposed to my husband. Well, it's not really either or. Mm-hmm. Okay. Submitting to someone other than our own husband shouldn't be a problem because if your husband has allowed you, right, Mm -hmm. to work outside of the home Mm -hmm. or has asked you to work outside of the home, you are submitting to your husband. Mm -hmm. And so you in that closest arena are already submitting to your husband and you're also working on that arena in the outer sphere of the ripples, right, of the the slave master, which we see more now in our culture as the work environment sure. mm-hmm. of the boss yeah. and the, the employer or the employee. So I really think that women are confusing guarding their hearts with all diligence mm-hmm. and who they defer to or show preference to in a, in a work mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that you have to do both, right? Sure. Yeah. So I, I think sometimes we get so uh, like a tunnel <laughs> mm-hmm. in our brain, you know, just just saying, okay, I, I'm working so hard on this that I forget that there's other aspects that I'm working mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And so guarding our hearts would be one that's really important. And we see that that slave master submission, it's there for a reason. So it's not either or. Right. So I hope that that helps just as we try to use wisdom in our homes of what submission looks like regarding being a woman. That's great. Good. Thank you. Good question. Speaking of the work environment, Shelby, I would love for you to address our next question. Another thing you will hear is that a true complementarian will never work outside the home. Yeah, it's a great question because you and I both work outside the home, (laughs) don't we? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, we talked a little bit about this um, during our last episode, but a complementarian view is really meant to be, it's just a term, Mm -hmm. right? It's a Mm man-made term, but it's meant to encapsulate a theological view of God's design for men and women. And so we actually looked at Ephesians 5 last Mm -hmm. episode, and I went into that pretty deeply. But that really is, in that context of the home, that's really more addressing the leadership of a husband within a marriage context, the fact that he's the head of his home, Mm -hmm. literally the protector of his own wife, and the woman, the wife being in subjection, meaning she's doing that, bringing herself under that authority voluntarily, lovingly, respectfully. And so that's really what that passage is talking about. But I thought I would use myself as an example because we need to put feet to the truth. Like, what mm-hmm. does that really look like, practically Absolutely. speaking? Because I am a woman who works outside of the home. Mm-hmm. And the question really is, is am I sinning as a result, mm-hmm. right? So going back to 2008... If you ladies recall, we went through quite a recession in Mm -hmm. this country, and my husband is in the commercial construction industry. And so the building industry just came to a halt, just ceased. So he found himself in a situation where he didn't have contracts to work for an entire year. Mm -hmm. And that's very difficult. I mean, I was a worker at home at the time. 
And so Sean asked me to pray about going back to work. At the time, our two older children were in college, so there were some college tuition issues to deal with, and we were just hit pretty hard financially. So I did pray about it and even thought about what I could do vocationally because it had been a while since I'd been in the workforce, you know. I'd and, be in a world yeah. of hurt. <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're a capable gal. So It's been 34 years since I've had an official <laughs> out-of-the-home job. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. But, you know, after a lot of prayer and Sean just talking to me about it, we came up with a plan so I don't, I don't believe that Sean, by Sean asking me to go back to work at the time was asking me to sin. Absolutely I actually feel not. that I voluntarily placed myself under mm-hmm. his leadership at the time and just submitted to his request. He asked me to pray about it. I did. I also thought through different things and ideas of, of, of the why and the how and the where, you know, and mm-hmm. really God in his kindness provided work here at the Master's University like 12 years ago, I guess it's Mm. been now. And so I think really, whether a wife works outside the home or not is really something that the husband, who is the leader of the home, makes a final decision upon. Even if the wife wants to work outside of the home, it's like her desire, and the husband's not necessarily asking her to. The hope is, is that she'll bring that desire to her husband and ask him to consider the request and to give it leadership. I mean, that's mm-hmm. typically how I operate, you know, give the, um, would you be willing to give this leadership? And then as a couple, hopefully there's room for discussing the pros and cons, and then just a final decision has to be made. And, and the burden is really placed, I think, biblically on the husband at that juncture. But realize that there's difficulty mm-hmm. with being a wife in the workplace. It's not like my life is so, so easy. I've actually, you know, I, there's some difficulty in that decision because my time is divided, mm-hmm. right? Right, right. And I think Jenna could attest to that as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say it's, it can be very challenging at mm-hmm. times to make Sean my primary ministry. Yep. And that in scripture is what I'm called to do. Titus 2.4, love your husband. That's a primary command for wives to, you know, to me, the, the application of that is making your husband your primary ministry. So I have to be intentional because mm-hmm. I take that mandate very seriously. Mm-hmm. And I check in with Sean often probably ridiculously so. Sometimes he tells me to stop it, but no, not really. (laughs) I check in with him often just to make sure that I'm not shirking, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's easy to shirk. It is. It's easy. easy. It's that that desire for control to be Mm -hmm. independent. Also, being a wife who works outside the home can be very difficult as it pertains to being a worker, Mm-hmm. of the home. But it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. It's but it's just challenging, right? So you have to be creative and as a family, Sean and I and Sean in particular help me think through what that would look like. Like as we're planning for me to go into the workplace, what does that look like now for mm-hmm. me to make sure that Sean still is primarily my ministry or a manager of my home? So I think that if those conversations don't take place initially, Mm -hmm. there's going to be temptation to feel guilty, Mm -hmm. right? If you have a sense of what your mandates, of of what you're called to do. And so Sean does that for me, whether it's work or even ministry, because work is not the only issue. Sometimes women 
can spend too much time outside the home in ministry. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same. And so I go to him first as my leader, and I ask him to talk it through with me, help me to develop a plan that's going to mm-hmm. work for our family. And when I do that, you know, I am able to submit to that as unto the Lord. Even with counseling, you know, go to Sean, am I able to handle another counselee? Is this mm-hmm. something that fits within our family, within our Always. framework? And yeah, I mean, I, I would just say yes to everybody, Kim, mm-hmm. Be, you know, right? Yeah. But Sean is, Sean knows my saturation level. He knows what I can handle. He knows me best. So I would say just kind of in, to answer that question, scripture really doesn't prohibit women to work outside the home per se, because we could look at the Proverbs 31 mm-hmm. woman, even she was trusted by mm-hmm. her husband to buy a field, and she even used those earnings to benefit her family, mm-hmm. but realize it does present challenges to other mandates. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to say it's not challenging. And even having kind of said that, I realize, and you know, that there's two views of complementarianism floating Mm -hmm. out there anyway. Mm -hmm. There's a broad and a narrow view. Mm -hmm. And we know that we talked about it already, but we know the narrow view is just kind of focusing on whether a woman's prohibited to be a pastor and and it's applied in the home as well. But it's the the broad view that's interesting. It's kind of more well. It's meant to be broad. It's it's a it teaches that headship reflects more a comprehensive set of differences between men and women, and the broader implications as it applies to how you conduct yourself as a wife in the home or a parishioner in the church or even society at large. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they're going to be more apt to teach, and you know a lot of our listeners may hold to this view. And they're going to be the ones that are more apt to teach that women, uh, wives, I should say wives, shouldn't be in the workforce at all, mm. even if their children are grown, mm. you know, because sometimes that's also a measure of when it's time. Now, I don't necessarily hold to the broad view, obviously. <laughs> I hold to a lot of the tenants, but not all of them, I should probably say. It's kind mm. of hard because we probably would hold the tenants in both. And so I think you and I have decided that we're not really going to go there. But I do affirm male headship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right, think right. that's biblical. And so Sean helping me to make those important decisions is his his duty, as, in a sense, as a husband, because mm-hmm. it's his family that he's leading. And at this juncture today, he is okay with me working outside of the home. But understand that at any time, Sean could say, enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. Right. I'm okay with that. He's not asking me to send even to quit, right? Right. Because, again, you're voluntarily placing yourself under that leadership and trusting mm. that God has put him in that role for a reason. And right. so I under I realize that as well. And I'm fine with that. And he can ask me to do that. But I also realize there is husbands, probably represented in this room, mm. that prefer that their wives be at home. Mm-hmm. And I am, I think that's totally great mm-hmm. because I'm really about affirming male headship. Mm-hmm. If that's the way they desire to uh, lead their family, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a very affirming of that. And so in all these decisions, we just have to ask ourselves, are we really living out what Ephesians 5 is really saying? Mm-hmm. And so maybe some questions we should really be asking is, are the husbands engaging in leadership, and am I coming under that authority? Mm-hmm. Does my marriage really reflect what Paul's talking about in that passage, where Christ is the head of the church and the respectful response that the church makes in light of that? 
And why why does she need to work outside the home? What's the reason why? Mm-hmm. What's what's the purpose behind that? You know, we had a purpose. There was a reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what is that going to look like when I engage in the workforce as it uh, the implications of that? Because scripture calls me to other things. Mm-hmm. I think that gets away from the legalism. Because mm-hmm. the other issue, too, is I'm also called as a, as a disciple of Christ to employ my gifts in the church. Exactly. So what's going to take priority? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's You're so many. <laughs> and there's so yeah. many things to think about. Yeah. So I guess that would be the way I would answer that question. I think that that's probably a, a, a pretty good um, overview. I'm sure there's more to say, but we'll, no, I, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I think you hit it. I really yeah. do. And I, and I really like that. You're showing that you are willingly placing yourself under your husband's leadership, his headship. And, you know, I know women who do stay home Mm -hmm. all the time and they don't place themselves under the headship of their husbands. That's right. And so the goal here is the order again and respecting that God-given order in creative ways, like mm-hmm. you said, with the Proverbs 31 woman. Um, and then we see like Lydia, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so there are there are there are nuances to that that we want to make sure that if it is not expressly in scripture that we show grace. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I think I think you answered that beautifully. Thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. And Shelby, another myth or misconception that I think you can speak to would be that the complementarian view promotes abuse within the home and church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a what an interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> because what we're saying is that the complementarian view is a biblical view or the frame or it flows out of the theology that we know and embrace. Mm-hmm. So to say that it promotes abuse within the church and home is troubling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think it promotes that, obviously, because like you were saying, Kim, Scripture promotes order and harmony. I mean, I mean, that's yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. unity, you know, Mm -hmm. but even as you kind of go back to the Ephesians 5 passage again, you have to look at how the husband's called to lead. He's called to lovingly lead his family, his wife. It's supposed to look like a picture of Christ Mm -hmm. sacrificially giving himself up for the church. So being a leader in your home doesn't give a person permission to be authoritarian, right? Mm -hmm. That idea, it's like abusive, under the thumb kind of leadership, if you know what I mean. Because in general, when you think about abuse, because it obviously comes up in counseling, any kind of abuse can be defined as just something that's improper and a harmful treatment mm-hmm. of another person misusing your leadership, misusing your natural powers, misusing your privileges. And so that's not taught in Scripture at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nor did Christ exemplify oh, that. Oh, no way. Right. Um, now, he was abused by others, but he certainly doesn't exemplify that. Abuse in a home can look like physical abuse. It can look like verbal and emotional abuse at times, and that is absolutely sinful. Mm -hmm. And so any wife that's experiencing that absolutely ought to get some kind of help Mm -hmm. if she needs to. Obviously, the Word of God's going to bring some comfort there, some practical help there. But conversely, even a wife 
in mm-hmm. who's not living out her mandate as a helper suitable who desires to be in control can also be sinning mm-hmm. and it can be even abusive yeah i mean yeah. i deal with that all the time it can come off like that usually verbal right mm-hmm. and so again she's not engaging in her role as laid out in scripture and the wife's uh, responsibility to be submissive our role as wives, our submission to our husbands is in the context of that spiritual submission to Christ. And so it's important to think about. So obviously, if she's refusing to submit, then she's in rebellion against Christ himself. Now, the problem, I think, is not the complementarian view. Thank you. The, the <laughs> problem is the hearts of people. That's right. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, um, yeah. it's it's how they're interpreting the scripture. Mm-hmm. And using it to work for their own selfish hearts, you know, whatever their their deal is, you know, is the man leading in the home because he's driven by a selfish heart, a controlling heart, lots of things driving that heart. Mm-hmm. Or we could say is the wife in that situation also wanting control or she's got certain idols she's contending with. So we have to ask what is motivating them to act Mm -hmm. in such an abusive manner? What is going on at the heart level? Maybe there's not even belief there. It could be the sin of unbelief. I would say the same goes for the church. I mean, the men who lead us in our churches, and thankfully all of us in this room have wonderful men who Mm -hmm. lead in our churches. Mm -hmm. They are shepherds. They're called to be shepherds. They're there to sacrifice their time and to love the sheep. You know, they're called, and we know from 1 Timothy, they're called to be above reproach. That's the overarching idea. And so that means, you know, obviously being prudent and temperate and respectful and hospitable and gentle mm-hmm. and, and, and not even addicted to much wine. So that's a tall order for any leader, mm-hmm. I think. So, you know, when you think about leaders, is that really being reflective in their pattern of life. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that men in leadership don't struggle. Obviously, they're not perfect. But as a pattern of life, are they living out these things? And as a woman, am I, within my church setting, am I being respectful? Am I being teachable? Am I learning from them? Um, Am I praying for my leaders? Mm -hmm. Am I a joy to my (laughs) leaders? Right. You know, they're the the ones who who are called to consider... You know, or actually, I should say, we're the ones that are called to consider their modeling, their leadership, and to even imitate it, right? Mm -hmm. They set the standard, and we're called to obey and submit to that. God's giving them an awesome task of watching over our souls. So again, are we able to do that with joy when it comes uh, to that, or do we bring our leadership grief? But as I said before, this leadership role doesn't give anybody license to abuse anybody, Mm -hmm. right? The Lord doesn't give them permission to even lord over us, their their leadership um, ideas or whatever. So again, that view of complementarianism as laid out in Scripture as it pertains to the church is really not the problem. If we have abusive leaders in the church, it's their own evil heart. That's the problem. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's how I would kind of answer that, because right. we know that the heart is out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right. And that's what drives people, right. motivates people to action, mm-hmm. not the view. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And I appreciate you getting right to the heart of that. And mm-hmm. you gave an example, actually, of someone who was not a complementarian in our second part of the series, who was actually egalitarian, who ended up 
in trouble in his church because he mm-hmm. was uh, being harmful towards women. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't complementarian. So clearly it was a heart issue, not a complementarian issue. Yeah, right? I think I think I know who you mean. Um, are you talking about um, Bill Hybels mm-hmm. from Willow Creek? Yeah, I think, and I've run into that problem even in the workforce before where there's a differing view of what that looks like in the church. And when the man at the heart level thinks that women aren't being valued enough, they have a tendency to delegate authority to the mm-hmm. woman that's not appropriate, let's say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like giving the woman a role, the title of pastor in the church. Right. They may not be the main teaching pastor. They may just be overseeing even just women, but just the title, giving them the title pastor alone is, is harmful and it's unbiblical. Mm-hmm. So he may have good intentions behind why he felt he needed to do that, but in the long run, you're putting them on a slippery slope and giving them permission for all kinds of things that just aren't right. Well, and it so, didn't go well. <laughs> and it didn't go well. Yeah. It didn't go well. Actually, as you think about it, at the end of the day, you're right, it didn't go well mm-hmm. for him and mm-hmm. his church. That's true. Yeah. And again, it was a heart issue. It was not an egalitarian. It was not a complementarian issue. Oh, thank issue. you. Yes. It yes. was not either of those. It was heart. Yes. And so, um, and for us to remind ourselves that we could be yes. in that same boat one day. That's um, right. Well, at the end of yeah. the day, when I go before the Lord, I'm not mm-hmm. going to give an account for my complementarian view necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just the what I've done, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for Christ. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to stay strong and be faithful mm-hmm. and fight the good fight. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Kim. You're mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> no, you're awesome. <laughs> I value you. <laughs> okay. The next one is for Kim to answer or to talk about. And it's this myth or misconception that women are not permitted to speak at all during a worship service. Okay. Mm. That's a great question. I know, right? <laughs> Hot topic. Hot topic. Yeah. So who drew that straw? (laughs) No. Um, Yeah. So this is really important, ladies. God is very clear in 1 Corinthians 14 that he is not a God of confusion, Mm -hmm. but of peace. And he expressly says that about the church of the saints. And so this is not an issue of confusion, but something that is, again, showing this order, showing this headship. And so the verse is really showing that we need to dialogue about this order issue again. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that God's order promotes God's peace. Amen. And you had mm-hmm. just said harmony earlier, mm-hmm. and you didn't even know that I had this passage, mm. you know, in there. And so you just see it everywhere in, in Scripture. So does Paul really mean to say that women never say anything in Can't a worship be. service? <laughs> but he designed us. us to say 30,000 words yeah, in a, a day. day and then 10,000 <laughs> That's pretty funny. (laughs) So um, that really is how some people have read those verses over the years. And I've actually heard that taken to the extreme in some churches of a denomination who do not allow women to speak at all. They even go as far to enter into separate doors and to sit separately from the men. Wow. Wow. 
And they are I didn't mo- know that we were back in the Jewish days. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. And they'll tell you that they're modeling it after Jewish wow. tradition. And I actually know those churches still exist mm-hmm. in, I know, in Kansas. Yep. Wow. And when we heard of them coming from California, can you imagine me just going, eh, what? <laughs> you know, just being shocked that that was a thing. But like this particular denomination that I was mentioning is taking their cues from the synagogue worship where there was a court, especially for mm-hmm. women. So now regarding speaking in church, we need to look at the entire context of First Corinthians and some other passages so 1 Corinthians 11.5 um, has just gone into the instruction of corporate worship where women are prophesying and praying. Hmm. Okay. But then later he's saying that women are not to speak. So what God is, again, is not the author of confusion. And he Paul is not contradicting himself because... Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit inspired him to write these passages. And again, he's explaining more clearly the issue at hand. And so now the context of prophesying there is also mentioned in Acts 2 mm-hmm. um, regarding women. And that is taken from Joel 2. And that is regarding the millennial kingdom. Okay. Okay. Context is king. Context mm-hmm. is That's king. Right. So we are not there yet. <laughs> okay. So he is speaking regarding in in First Corinthians. He is speaking to the church age. Okay. Okay. And First Corinthians was written earlier than some of the other books. And as you see, Paul continue in his writing. He really stops mentioning this whole idea of prophecy. And so in the church age where we are now, prophecy is speaking the word of God mm-hmm. from Scripture. Right. We know that it says in Second Peter 1.19, we have the more sure word. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so that idea of speaking the word there is not about new prophecies. This is the idea of speaking the word of God. So um, again, the context of First Corinthians in this area is headship. Mm-hmm. And I would invite you to go back again <laughs> and listen to our last episode of this series if you haven't heard it already, because this reminds us of our role to be learners. Mm-hmm. And this is a privilege. Mm-hmm. And it is also, you see this, that we are told to learn, to be silent ask our husbands questions at home so that we do not look or give the appearance that we are contradicting the headship that God has put in place. Mm -hmm. And so, and what a wonderful thing that he says, because we come home, we have our pot roast in the crock pot, right? (laughs) And we we are, we're at Sharky's. Yeah, Sharky's might be more my lane, girl. (laughs) Pot roast for us. (laughs) And so then something comes up from the Lord's Day that you know, was taught in the message. And that's an opportunity for the wife to dialogue with the husband and ask great questions and carry that out through the Lord's mm-hmm. day, keeping it his. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's a great thing. It's a good thing. It's it's a blessing mm-hmm. and a privilege. 
So there are different ways that this respect and order and headship of God's design can be applied in different churches. So you're going to go to different churches and you're going to see it applied differently, maybe. Mm-hmm. Now, I know for all three of us, we would be totally given the ability to teach children and women. And mm-hmm. at a home Bible study, we would be encouraged to pray mm-hmm. and to speak mm-hmm. and to read the scriptures. That is not expressly corporate worship. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So we need to not go on Sunday to church and sit in a different place than our husbands and (laughs) thinking that, you know, we are to separate ourselves that way. Mm. But we just need to stop and think, you know, how am I glorifying God and this picture of headship and how I behave myself at worship? Mm. And it's really amazing when I talk to women about this who want to speak up more Mm. What they have learned when I've counseled them and worked with them through this, that they realized that they didn't even really hear what was being said because they were so busy thinking about the questions that they wanted to ask Mm -hmm. or the thing that they felt that they needed to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And once they really started working through that and becoming better learners, Mm -hmm. they were like, you know what? pastor so-and-so answered my question that was in my head before I even asked it, Mm -hmm. you know, so, and maybe not, maybe she needed to go home and, and ask her husband. So, um, you know, I don't, we don't struggle with that, but we sure could, but -hmm. we're blessed to have husbands that are, that are leading us well, uh, Mm -hmm. to help us with that. But now I've at a weekly prayer meeting, you know, my mm-hmm. pastor is going to ask me to pray, mm-hmm. and I can I can name about three or four women mm-hmm. he's going to ask to pray mm-hmm. because he sees that that is something that is near and dear to us, and that it's important to us, and so he includes us in that that time, mm-hmm. you know, with prayer. And so, again, having godly leaders that are looking to see what your gifts. And uh, your passions are is really going to be to your benefit. Sure. So women can most certainly teach other women and children, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's in scripture, mm-hmm. right? And so we can do that. So it's not that we can't ever speak on a Sunday on the Lord's Day like you see in some places, but that it's going to be very specific. Our church is smaller, so we don't really have something that's just for the women on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, We're together as a body, male and female. Mm -hmm. Um, I do know some churches that would have maybe a small study for women who are spiritual widows. That study would be led by a a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, So really, you're looking at the context within your local body, how they're applying that, and you, you pray that they're applying it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with the gift of teaching, I still teach the women on Wednesday, you know, mm-hmm. at my church. I know you mm-hmm. teach the women Tuesdays. at your church, yeah. and we're we're actually teaching exegetically the mm-hmm. word to other women because we want them to help, they want them to understand it rightly as well. So there's nothing wrong with us, you know, studying and teaching 
rightly in that sense. But again, don't you think it goes back to the hard attitude, though, Kim? Yes. Um, women that are critical and complain about not being able to say, maybe be upfront. I think there's just problems there. Like, it's not fair. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you really are saying God is not being fair, really, because mm-hmm. yeah. the men are trying to shape the worship service according to how they interpret Scripture. And then even the cultural gap the, the women that lived back then, when for, you know, in Ephesus, they were trying to get ahead, weren't they? Mm-hmm. So trying to be like that. But yeah, I think that's important to think about. We're not being hindered no. to use our gifts. It's just the application in ministry that looks, it has to be within that order, that contextual order. Yeah, complements mm. the church. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it gives, when you continue the conversation after church with your husband and you have questions about what was said and maybe the pastor didn't answer them, what an opportunity to have to grow in spiritual intimacy with your husband. And if he doesn't know the answer, then he can then take it to an elder or continue the conversation with your pastor. And, or go to the Word. Or go to the Word <laughs> yeah. together and dive in and what an opportunity that is. Right. Yeah, she brings up a good point because if we're not doing the way you described sometimes husbands will shirk their yes, duty absolutely so we're actually giving them opportunity to bring leadership there and mm-hmm. i think that's important totally. you know? and that's an element that's how of being we help a helper him. yeah mm-hmm. exactly yes. <laughs> we both yes. said at the same time jinx <laughs> <laughs> you owe me a pumpkin spice yeah, latte. Yeah. <laughs> well if you want one i thought you didn't like no them. <laughs> that's okay i'm good so I'm so thankful that you came. Jenna, mm-hmm. is there anything that you would like to share with us or any questions that you have? Or I wonder, like, you're a new wife. Yeah. Um, I'm mastering the crock yeah, pot. Yeah, you're mastering the crock <laughs> Yeah, with being a working woman. And um, my husband is in seminary, and he mm-hmm. works when he's not at seminary. Mastering that crock pot, and he has been gracious when I come home from work and just been a long week and especially in this semester as we um, work has just looked different with a lot of things being online and helping my professors he's been helpful to step in and make dinner every once in a while or yeah, be which gracious. Is not wrong. yeah yeah it's been helpful um, and just work through that I think the biggest thing is in being a complementarian and being a helpmate The balance, and I think I've talked with both of you about this, the balance of strength and grace, because sometimes in the complementarian view, it's seen that the woman is a doormat. The woman is just kind of steamrolled over and just told what to do rather than having a conversation about Mm -hmm. even tasks in the home, because it could be helpful. And I've learned and I'm learning. It could be helpful that I change the oil like I go take my car in to get change the oil and in my mind going in marriage it's like that's the husband's job it's the car but I could be a helpmate so learning and even it's maybe a complicated question but the the balance of grace and strength and what does that look like as a helpmate to my husband mm-hmm. yeah I think that that's, that's really a good, really good question because there's a sense in which you're working together in a partnership. And can we be creative and step out and do things like make sure that we're 
getting our <laughs> our oil changed in the car? <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I love that question. You know that we're not doormats for right. sure. You know us well enough. And um, I think that's been the blessing yeah. of getting to know you guys is that I know that you guys have conversations with your husband and you talk about, as you said, is it is it okay for me to work outside the home? How, you know, and having mm-hmm. that constant conversation, is it, am I neglecting my ministry to you and even um, ministry in the church? Where do I step back from? Where do I step up in? And that kind of thing. Yeah. It's a conversation you have with Ryan. Right. And you allow him to give it. Yeah. That leadership. Mm-hmm. I think that communication is so key. And mm-hmm. just even thinking about submission in general, our tendency is to want to be in control mm-hmm. and to run the family. Yes. And so just realizing what's most pleasing to the Lord, he's mm-hmm. asking us to voluntarily come under that leadership. Your husband's leadership looks different than my husband's leadership, right. looks different than David's leadership. Mm-hmm. So understanding our husband's leadership style mm-hmm. and being willing to hand over the reins in a sense. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. But, or in yeah. the things that he gives us reins with, you mm-hmm. know. Yes. Um, yeah, that's true. In too. Kansas, yeah. I mowed the lawn. Right. And I remember watching another pastor in another state going, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just in shock. (laughs) But I knew that, and granted, our kids helped in the summer. This was more like in the school year when they were at school and their events. Mm -hmm. I would mow that during the day so that when my husband came home and my kids came home, we could be together. Right. Okay. And I didn't draw him away Mm -hmm. from ministry Mm -hmm. at the church that was something I could do. I could sit on a riding lawnmower for a couple of <laughs> That's hours. That's kind of fun, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and <laughs> with, I, a, with a pumpkin spice latte? No, <laughs> no, no. We didn't even have Starbucks. <laughs> oh, girl. The what, truck stop trip. coffee. coffee. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but no, 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 no. But, you know, so I, I, I mowed for my husband, for our family during mm-hmm. different seasons. Mm-hmm. My girlfriends there drove semis mm-hmm. because they were hauling grain, mm-hmm. working with their husbands as mm-hmm. custom cutters or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. That is not pearls and high heels, Mm-mm. right? Right. But they were helpers suitable. I am being a helper suitable. Yeah. Mm. So you said it perfectly. How that looks for you looks different for me, looks different for you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. looks different for somebody in Los Angeles compared to somebody in Kansas. Sure. And you're going to have that woman at the church who's there cleaning it all the time and working in it. They're not going to necessarily, maybe some of them will, but do that in high hills, mm-hmm. you know, and a dress. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be in their, their work clothes. And so mm-hmm. it's not this traditionalist you know, idea mm-hmm. of leave it to beaver. Yes. Yeah. Because we get that, we get that picture like stuck in our heads. Well, if you like, it, that can be the picture in your head mm-hmm. of that's what I am to be. And that's, but that is a picture that is shaped by culture, yes. not even by scripture. Mm-hmm. Because as you mentioned earlier, Shelby, Proverbs 31 woman, she was out in the f- buying a field. She was working, making sure her family was clothed. Like she worked with her hands. Mm-hmm. So there was an element of her working. Lydia, you know, mm-hmm. there's so many women in the Bible. Now, Which the church even met in her home. Right. right. Yeah. Yes. Right. Well, and so. I think... 
where people are coming from as they and and it's very well meaning mm-hmm. they're wanting us to retain our femininity yes sure. yes right totally. but i think that me mowing the lawn does not make me less feminine that's right unless i have an attitude that's sure. right that doesn't model femininity in it mm-hmm. you know if i have a heart of service as a help me to my husband then that is a very feminine thing. Right. So, yeah, I, totally. I really I think we need to be mindful not to put stereotypes mm-hmm. uh, preferences. Uh, yeah, yes. and preferences mm-hmm. above the word of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Amen. Mm-hmm. well, that concludes this episode. And Jenna, thank you so much for being our yeah. first special guest. Of course. Again, <laughs> I'm honored. I yeah, love it. We love you. <laughs> so. Our next series that we are going to be working on is just we're going to go right into Titus 2. And I think that this was the perfect way Mm -hmm. to end this series as we prepare for the next. I'm so thankful that you were here. I'm so thankful to be with Shelby, who is also known as Mimi now, by the Mm -hmm. way. (laughs) Had to get that in there. (laughs) I quit calling her Shelby. I've been calling her Mimi. Sean and I just became grandparents for the first time. So so. awesome. So awesome. So, and we're thankful for Scott, who forever helps us to do our job well. And we're very thankful to TMU, to mm-hmm. the Masters University, who values uh, this ministry to women and has uh, allowed us to have this podcast. And so we're thankful for them as well as our uh, sponsors. And I pray, women, that you will take this series and run with it and delight in the ministry and the role that God has given you. Have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to the Women's Hope Podcast of the Masters University. For more resources and episodes, visit masters.edu slash women's hope. For more information on the Masters University, visit masters.edu. We'll see you next time.